Are you ready to invest in yourself today? Welcome to the Wealth Builders Podcast, where investment leader Billy Epperhart teaches you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom. Scripture says in Deuteronomy 8.18, Remember the Lord, your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. At Wealth Builders, our goal is to teach you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom in your finances, your business, and your investments. Hello and welcome to this week's Wealth Builders podcast. I'm so glad that you joined us today. I'm Karen Conrad, and we are continuing to talk about and teach on the business model canvas. Uh, This is an amazing one-page business plan template that whether you're a little business, a startup, or a large business, this is, in my opinion, the best tool to use as a foundation to really figuring out and mapping out your business. Um, So I've been just sharing along the way that we've got a template for you that you can download for free. And I even encourage you to go back and listen to these podcasts and as we go through them, fill out your business model canvas. So if you'd like that template, go to wealthbuilders.org slash blogs. And in the blog area, you'll see um, a couple of the latest ones are on this very canvas that we're talking about. And in the body of that blog, you can click on the link and you can download a blank business model canvas. So if you've been following along, um, thank you so much for doing that. And I hope that you are filling out your business model canvas as we go. So get that pen out, get that template out. And here we go. We are going to talk about channels. So we've been focusing on the revenue side of the business model canvas and channels is actually on the revenue side as well. And this is the vehicle. Channels are the vehicle of reaching and delivering service or your product to your customer. So your question when looking at channels is where are your customers going to meet you? So this points back to the customer segments. Who is your target market? What's the demographics? What's the psychographics? Where do these people hang out? Where do these people have the ability or or prefer to receive products and services? And when you line the channels up with your customer's segment and the value proposition, that's where you really have a win. So let me just give you an example. You know, I talk about my dad a lot. He's 90 years old. And you know what? He doesn't order from Amazon. (laughs) And it's just because with his age group, he is on the computer, but He's really not one to just go in and buy things. When he needs something, he goes to the store, even at 90 years old, okay? Now, conversely, my son Levi, who is 28, he orders like everything online. If he goes to a store, it's because it's fun or he's with his girlfriend Carly or just hanging out. But if he just needs the the functionality of shopping, okay, he orders online. Well, that's the difference between a 28-year-old and a 90-year-old. And when you think about it, people that understand the channel that their customers prefer to shop is where people see the increase. When we think about the importance of channel, I'm sure many of you are thinking about this as I'm talking about it, 
you know, really most of the, the amazing sales process for Amazon is they have perfected the channel of online ordering and delivering, and they're just doing amazing. They know where their niche is. They know their customer segment, and they build things around the experience to really make them a standout. You know, I used to buy furniture for staging and things from all different places, you know, especially Wayfair. And what was interesting is during during COVID, I really learned how important a channel was to me because I would order online for Wayfair, but you know what would happen is I would order something and they would say that it would get here in two days, but just during the challenges, I'm not being critical of them, it's just was my experience, the way that they would deliver, they were late. Uh, they wouldn't hit the deadline that they quoted to me. Well, when you are you know, driving to two hours away to stage a home or you're flying to Florida, hitting those delivery dates is critical. And so they lost a lot of my business when I ended up going to Amazon. And the reason for that is I could get similar items, but when they told me it was gonna be there Tuesday before 10 p.m., it was there Tuesday before 10 p.m. So that's just an example, something that we're all familiar with, that they really perfected the channel. And I would say that that was, you know, they have good prices, but really when you think about the main reason most of us shop at Amazon is because it's easy and they deliver right to our door. They really have it down. So let me ask you this, with your business, what are your channels of delivery? Do you get complaints on it? Do you think a high percentage of your customers actually do business with you because of the channel of delivery? Or let me ask you this, are you missing customers because you've not paid attention to the channel of delivery? These are all questions that we want to ask and think about. And that's really the beauty of this business model canvas. It really forces us to think through these things. So with channels, here's some questions that you can ask and you can have you and your team answer. How do our segments want to be reached? Like I mentioned, a 90 year old, they don't wanna order online. He wants to be able to walk into a store and be reached that way. So if I was a business owner that catered to people in my dad's age group, I would sure be thinking about how I can connect with them the way they want to be connected with. How do we reach them today? How do we reach people? How do we connect with people? I mean, I am on meetings all the time where we are talking about how to get the right message out to the right people. And there's so many options. We've got social media, we've got the emails, we've got Google, we've got Taboola, we've got billboards, right? We've got newsletters. So how do we want to reach people? How do we reach them today? And maybe what do we need to add or change about that channel of delivery? Which ones work the best? Um, are they cost efficient? And most importantly, how well do they serve the customer's needs that's in our target market? All right, let's talk about channels being a key customer touch point. Your channel is the thing that is delivering much of your value message. 
And so when we think about a channel of delivery, it's really important to understand that this is how you are delivering your product or your service. For example, if you're a ministry, let's just talk about Andrew Womack Ministries. I worked there for a long time. Y'all know that Billy is a CEO there. And so he is, he's there all the time. It's, it's really amazing how connected he is and how much he is really looking at the things that we're talking about, even with the, the ministry. But when we think about how Andrew delivers the value of his message, uh, it used to be just television, right? He would go on TBN, CTN, various television programs, and that's how he mainly delivered his message. Well, then things started to change, and this actually happened when I was there as part of the team, is we had to make the adjustment to, well, we need to reach people on the internet. And so, you know, out came Gospel Truth TV was birthed, and it's an internet channel. Social media became a thing. So we had to figure out how we're going to reach people on social media. We increase the number of channels, the live Bible studies. Do you know, not many years ago, there was no such thing as a live Bible study. So that is a really good example of expanding the way or the channels to deliver the message. Billy shares this when he speaks about it, but the ministry has just really almost like exploded, increased tremendously. And there's many reasons for that, but I would tell you the increase in the number of channels, really paying attention to how to, how to deliver the message that changes lives, you know, in different ways, certainly contributed and has contributed to the growth of the ministry. If you've got a product, you really want to be able to allow the customer to buy easily. And if we don't pay attention to that and we have got a product or a service that people can buy, you know, we're going to lose out. We're going to miss some of that growth. So how many times have you gone, uh, let's just say to a store, maybe it's even a coffee shop and you've gone in and you want to purchase something quick. You might be on your way to work. Maybe it's through a drive through and maybe the line is just backed up where there's no way that you can make it to work if you are waiting in that line. So those are things where if the target market wants to be served their coffee through a drive-through, which most people in the morning uh, like to do that, you have to figure out a way to keep that drive-through moving and to serve as many people as possible. I think Chick-fil-A is really a good example of this. When they get really busy, which they do in the afternoon for lunches, they've got people out there taking the order in the line to keep things moving and they're paying attention to being able to make it easy, convenient, and satisfying, right? To serve people their food, the Chick-fil-A food, in the channel in the way that they want to be served, which... I'm sharing about a drive-through. So let's think about your business for a moment. How are you delivering your product or service and are you doing it in a way that is making it easy for your customers? That's a great question, right? It's probably something that we need to pause and make sure that we understand or even talk to a few of our customers and find out if we make it easy for them to buy our product
products and our services. And if not, we want to get to the bottom of it and try to make it easier. Okay, lots more information here that we could share in channels, but I'm going to keep us moving in our limited period of time. And I'm going to move over to the cost side of the business model canvas. Again, if you want to learn more about this, we're going to be teaching, actually Billy is personally going to be teaching on this at the upcoming business development and nonprofit workshop, the Wealth Builders one that's going to be held in Denver, Colorado, August 19th through the 21st. And to learn more about this event, you can go to wealthbuilders.org slash events or join us just for upcoming free webinars that we're going to be sharing some of these business topics completely free for you. That's going to give you a little bit of a preview of that workshop. And to learn more about those, you go to the same place, go to wealthbuilders.org slash events and get signed up to attend one of the upcoming free webinars. All right, on the cost side, let's start with key resources. Key resources, what does that mean? Key resources are like, I'll ask or give it to you in a question. What is it that I must do in our office to make the pieces of the businesses work? So let's just give an example of that. If I'm a ministry, let's just say that I'm a network, a television network, and we send out a newsletter every month to our donors. One of the things that we have to do to make the business work is we have to get that newsletter out the door on a monthly basis. Or in that same situation, if I am working for an organization that is a media organization or does programming um, for a network or somebody that does media and programming, I must film programs, right? So if that's a key resource is to be able to produce the program that actually provides the message, like in the example of a network. Here is another thing to think about. Your resources can be physical, they can be human, they can be financial. There's many different types of resources. They can be equipment. And so we want to think about to make sure we've got our key resources listed. What is it that I must do in our office to make all the pieces of the business work? And what types of resources does it require? Maybe it's physical resources like cameras. Maybe it's human resources like the camera operator and financial resources. So we can pay the salaries, for example. All right, the next one we're going to jump to here is key activities. So here is a question to help you understand what your key activities are. What activities does our value proposition require? So let's just give the example of a coffee shop. If we go back to that and let's just say I'm a Starbucks and I am going through a business model canvas and wondering what activities does our value proposition need to be able to deliver on the product or the service? So in that situation, it would be, you know, the activities are loading the coffee, you know, making the coffee maker work, making sure you have the cups, uh, talking to people across the counter, talking to people in the drive through making sure that there's a delivery of the food, you know, you get the idea. 
every business, when you think through what it is, what activities need to happen for you to be able to deliver on the value proposition, it really makes it easy to determine. You know what else I love to do with this? Is this also allows you, when you go through the key activities, it allows you to understand what the job descriptions are that you need for people and the types of things that you need people to fulfill. One of the things that I was working on today with a couple of friends of mine that are helping me, we just realized that for us to be able to continue to grow our real estate business, we had to figure out how to get our financials in better order. So when we think about the value pop proposition that we actually provide for people within sweet tea, whether it's rentals, whether it's flips or vacation rentals, I had a good understanding, like for example, a vacation rental, I knew the things that I needed in there. But what I tend to forget about and where I'm giving you the example today that I've got a couple friends helping is that I need to know how to account for, you know, <laughs> paying for the lawn service, paying the mortgage, making sure that when somebody decides to rent the property, what am I communicating back to them? Are they getting a receipt? Do I have insurance coverage? So we get sometimes really focused on the activities to just have that customer interaction, like maybe in our face or, you know, the visible, but there's a whole back end of activities that need to take place. And by the way, when you do real estate, you've got to file your taxes. You have to list your expenses or you're leaving money you know, on the table. So one of the things that I learned was a key activity is I've got to have my financials in order and enter my expenses, my income, and we're just using QuickBooks is what we decided to do. But I need to file receipts. I need to collect my mileage. That's what I'm talking about is all those things that are required in your business that may not seem obvious. So what activities do all areas of your business require? So here's some things to think about. You've got production, you've got problem solving, you've got your platforms, you've got networks, you've got your financial needs, all those things to be able to really set a foundation to be successful in business. All right, next we're gonna to go to the section that's called key partners. So key partners, you wanna look at who your current suppliers are. Can they become your partners? Are they really important enough to become a partner? Are they really the best option? And can my team deliver value to our customer segments without this supplier? So let me just think through this and give you an example. If we go back to the example of my home staging business, some of my key partners were at, was actually a, a furniture store, American Furniture Warehouse. I could not stage homes in Colorado Springs without a place like American Furniture Warehouse. Also Hobby Lobby, you know, Kirkland's, all those different places. And then of course, you know, not to mention the people that did the moving. So one of the examples that we might use is with that home staging business, 
an area that could have become a potential really good key partner would be is if I partnered with a moving truck. So it can be a win-win. I always need people moving, setting up things. Do they have the potential to become a partner? Well, they'd have to meet certain criteria, but you know what? It's possible. So what in your business are you relying on with a supplier that might be an opportunity for you to bring them into some sort of partnership. You know, partnerships, key partners are always a win-win. We can definitely contract with people. Maybe it's something where you've decided to bring an employee in. But a lot of times what I see businesses do is if they are leaning on a supplier, they oftentimes to create another revenue stream maybe just acquire that supplier, or they develop a division that creates themselves something that is key for their business. So that's something to think about again. We'll be talking a lot more about this at the upcoming business workshop, but I'm just trying to give you a little bit of an idea for each of these. Um, all right, so with that, we are going to finish up the cost side of the BMGC with cost structure. Oh my goodness, this is so important. And a lot of us, you know, I'm talking to myself here, we don't always think about the cost structure. Uh, one of the things we find in real estate is we might come up with an amount that we think we need to do a renovation and we always add 10%. I think we're gonna have to start adding more like 15%. But you have to understand your cost structure. What is it really costing to be able to run this business? So when we fill out this section, here are some things, that, some questions that you're going to want to answer. What are the most important costs? What are those costs that you cannot do without? All right. What costs cannot be managed? This is really good, too. I'll give you a great example of this real estate taxes. Do you know what? I have no authority or ability to impact the amount of real estate taxes that I pay. However, I can take a look at the counties that we buy in and see what my maximum increase is going to be. What's my maximum risk that I'm going to take with real estate taxes, but I can't control it. Things like a water bill, I have no say over that. If you're delivering services, products and services by mail, and you're using the United States Post Office, you know what? If they increase their costs, you can't manage that. You might start to look at additional options. Another thing that we're finding is people that drive places, maybe they deliver things. Gas has, has doubled, right? So how are you going to possibly manage the cost of gasoline? You can't. So you have to take a look at what are the things that you can manage. And then in situations where you can't manage costs like gasoline, do you need to increase your prices? What do you need to do to be aware of those costs and make sure that you've got the ability to mitigate increases and you come up with solutions? What resources? And activities can we cost control? A great example of that is advertising. 
You know, there's nothing that locks you in that you have to, unless you signed a contract that you have to spend $10,000 a month in advertising. That is a resource cost structure that you absolutely can control. Sometimes our employees are like that. Is there something that I can do to maybe get by without having to hire another person or maybe to cut back on some of those expenses in my business? Are there subscriptions that we've signed up for that we don't need anymore? We can look at those types of things to be able to control costs. So be aware of what costs you can't manage and mitigate those and then be aware of the things that you can manage and be active with it so that you are continually aware of where your bottom line is, where your net profit is. And if it starts to get squeezed, we have to look at other ways to be able to keep that margin at a healthy level. And then, you know, are there suppliers that we should be looking at other than the people that we've always gone with? I'm a very loyal person. I think many of you could say the same thing. But there are just times where even though it's inconvenient, if your costs are skyrocketing and you take the time to go through this, something like this BMGC, you're going to be able to recognize areas where, gosh, you know what? Maybe we need to shop this out. Maybe we're paying too much. Maybe the supplier's gotten too comfortable with us and they're just charging us more and we're, you know, maybe we need to take a look and change things up. It's really important that you continually look at these things to really keep your business viable and profitable. All right. Well, I have touched on every part of the business model canvas. Like I said, there is so much more to this. And really, Billy teaches this better than anybody I have ever met. And he goes in real deep on each of these at the workshop. And then also a reminder to go ahead and download that template. You can do this. You can Google a lot of information on BMGCs. But I'm telling you, this is a tool that you will use over and over and over. It scales to anything. I use this tool to help businesses start a business plan. I use it for companies that are just trying to improve their productivity and their net profit. But then I also use this for individual marketing campaigns. So the BMGC is something that you can use at what I call a macro level or a micro level. There's also the triangle behind this that we'll go in more depth with at the workshop that includes things you know, like uh, legal, IT, things that we all need to pay attention to, but they kind of sit behind the business model canvas. Well, I hope this has been helpful for you. I just believe there's all these businesses out there that are starting to percolate up as you're thinking about these things or businesses where maybe you're just ready to go to the next level. And I'm just believing that this has been helpful for you. Also, don't forget that we've got Wealth Builders University out there and we've got a lot of Billy's teachings on the BMGC are in Wealth Builders University. It's a great deal. It's just $299 for a full year and it's unlimited access to all of the content, including a monthly mastermind. So go ahead and check that out at wbuniversity.online. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the Wealth Builders podcast. 
We are so encouraged with the testimonies that we're hearing from all of you, just hearts and minds just awakening to like, wow, I think I'm called to do this business or that business. We're just committed to helping you to make sense of making money for making a difference. Thank you so much again for joining us. God bless you and make it a great rest of the day. We hope you learned something of lasting value today from this Wealth Builders podcast. If you'd like any tools, teachings, or resources mentioned in the podcast, you'll find them online at wealthbuilders.org. Wealth Builders exist to teach you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom in your finances, your business, and your investments. Wealth Builders is a nonprofit organization. We depend on your donations to keep this podcast running. Please consider donating to us on wealthbuilders.org.